0: My text today is Acts chapter 3 and verses 19 to 21, and this is the apostle Peter standing up at the gate beautiful, when thousands of people were amassed, it was a large group of people When uh, the man who was lame got healed, amazing, notable miracle. And Peter got up and preached an amazing sermon. And part of the sermon included this little phrase. He says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord that He may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive until, watch this ladies and gentlemen please, until, this is a... This is a a, a word that joins two sentences. Until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of His holy prophets since the world began. One of the big mistakes that we often make as God's people is that we have the tendency to look at world events and then try to interpret where we are with regards to the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Each time there's a catastrophe, each time there is a war, we scramble, we try and interpret those events in the light and context of the last days, especially if there's a conflict. There's always an upsurge of interest in biblical prophecy. This week alone, the United Nations Secretary-General, Antonio Guterres, said nuclear annihilation is just one miscalculation away. He adds, we have been extraordinarily lucky so far. Now, coming from the leader of the United Nations, that is very alarming, to say the least. We're just one mistake away from a nuclear holocaust. And while I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with looking and intuiting from world events what is happening, I'm suggesting that we are looking at the wrong places to get the answers. My question I asked the congregation several months ago if you recall, I said, does the birth pangs bring forth the baby or does the baby bring forth the birth pangs? Both statements are true, of course, but which is more important, the birth pangs or the baby? What we're seeing right now, ladies and gentlemen, is the birth pangs, right? The wars, the rumors of wars, conflict, earthquakes. And the danger is that we focus only on the birth pangs and completely forget why we're having the birth pangs these birth pangs are happening because the baby is coming amen and what is jesus returning for come on you got to think for a few moments put on your thinking caps what is he returning for he's returning for a bride without spot without wrinkle fully grown fully mature a people glorious and and ready for him and that is what will finally release him to return to planet earth he will not return until the bride has made herself ready. He will not return until all things have been restored. And that's what the Apostle Peter was trying to say to us. Jesus can only be released from heaven to return to earth as King of kings, as Lord of lords, until all this has been done. So the primary focus here in Cornerstone ought to be which part of the restoration process have we been called to? Because that is the only thing that's holding him back from coming to heaven. Now the word restore simply means to return to God's original intent and purpose. The theme of restoration, by the way, is the universal message of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And the God we serve is a God of restoration, My goodness, a large chunk of Scripture in the Old Testament has to do with restoration, has to do with a backslid nation, and then how God tenderly woos and restores the nation back to Himself. So the million dollar question that we need to ask this morning is what is to be restored and which part of the restoration process are you and I called to? Now, if you look in Scripture, you will discover that there are several main areas of restoration. I see four, there could be more. But I'd like to give them first to you and then talk about them very briefly. Number one, the restoration of the image of God in man. This is God's desire to bring us back to the state of Eden. And then number two, the restoration of the nation of Israel. Number three, the restoration of creation itself. And number four, the restoration of the church which is our subject matter today. Now under the category of the restoration of the church, there are many subheadings. I will only select three this morning. And the the first one would be the restoration of the tabernacle of David that has to do with intercessory prayer, authority, worship, and all those wonderful things. And then you've got the restoration of true apostolic and prophetic offices. And this is a very prophetic word I believe this morning because I believe God is gonna raise true apostles and true prophets. We ain't seen them yet, they're coming. And then finally, the restoration of backsliders because God says, I merit to the backslider. Now the first uh, heading is uh, the restoration of the image of God in men. And by the way, God made us male and female. There are only two genders, not 76 genders, amen. And I know that while we are fighting this battle right now in the, with the 377A, I tell you this marriage is an institution that must be protected. Amen. Amen. We must hold the line, ladies and gentlemen. We must hold the 377A line, and the church must speak up. And I know Christians are speaking up. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, Adam was the first man created in the image of God and it is this image in man that God is seeking to restore. Now, to understand this, we've got to go back to the Garden of Eden. There we see man in his fullness, in unbroken fellowship with God, but sin came and marred that image. Now, in restoring fallen man, I want to suggest that God is going to outdo Himself. Woo! He is not going to just bring man back to the fullness of what He originally intended when He first created him, we are told that the last Adam is far superior to the first Adam. Amen. In other words, the image of Christ Himself will be manifested fully in man, so that is greater than the original prototype. We are not going to go back to the state of Adam, we are going to move forward to the state of Christ. Hallelujah. Because Christ is greater than Adam. Amen. And I tell you, this is something that we have to grasp by revelation. You know, Adam was tested on one point and he failed. Christ was tested on all points and he passed. Hallelujah, amen. And that is the nature that God seeks to imprint on our souls. That's the big difference between holiness and innocence. Innocence is uh, is righteousness, is, is purity that has not been tested. Holiness is a purity that has been tested and found proven to be true hallelujah amen christ went through every temptation and he passed the test whoa hallelujah and that is what god is seeking to restore the image of god in man which is finer i tell you this that even uh, the atoms and i mean it's so fine it's so pure it's wonderful now paul itself himself says that creation groans for the revealing of the sons of god This is the upgraded version 2.0, and it's far greater than the creation in the Garden of Eden. The second thing that God is seeking to restore is the nation of Israel. This is probably the most prophetic uh, uh, event in the modern day history. To dismiss it and to disregard it is to be foolish and ignorant of God's purposes and plans. I believe that this is one of the most significant parts of the restoration and it happened in 1948 that when one day, God created and birthed a nation, it was nothing short of an amazing miracle and it was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Israel is the firstborn of nations and that is non-negotiable. You like Israel, you don't like Israel, doesn't matter to me, all right? As far as God is concerned, they're in the ranking of nations, Israel is always number one, the firstborn nation and they will be numero uno all the time, all right? Israel was chosen to manifest the glory of the Most High, but she fell into great depths of depravity and rebellion for a brief moment. During the reign of David and Solomon, we see Israel beginning to understand her destiny, but she quickly slipped back into apostasy and idolatry, and God is going to restore Israel to a former glory and even greater. These these are the things that are going to happen. Number one, the land, the whole land that God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be restored to Israel. That includes the West Bank, which of course is called Judea. The Bible never calls it West Bank. It's always called Judea. Amen. Then God is going to restore her descendants. There are currently 15 million Jews scattered around the planet. They will return to the land. God is going to res- has restored a dead language. Did you know that Hebrew was a dead language, like Latin? No one was speaking Hebrew until the 19th century when God revived supernaturally the language, and today it's the national language of Israel. Never happened before in history. Hallelujah. God is going to also fully restore her capital, Jerusalem. I don't care what you say, Jerusalem belongs to God. Amen. And Jerusalem is the capital of the ancient people, Israel. And then in the last hour of humanity, god will seal the remnant and one hundred and forty-four thousand from the 12 tribes of israel finally there will come a a day a time somewhere in the future where paul tells us that all of israel shall be saved that is restoration man that is restoration it's so complete it's so full and it covers every aspect of a nation amen and then the third one is the restoration of creation itself we're told that before jesus returns there will be an earthquake so massive, so great, that it will change the very geography of the nations. Boundaries of nations will be altered. Nations, islands will disappear from the face of the earth. Cities will be raised. Mountains will be brought low. Valleys will be raised up. And all the nations will behold the glory of the Lord. Even in the animal kingdom, there will be massive transformation. The predators will graze with docile animals. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The lion and the calf will feed together. The bear and the cow will graze. They will eat straw like the ox. A little child shall lead them and they shall not hurt on my holy mountain. Why? Because all the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Amen. Praise the Lord. The fourth area of restoration is the restoration of the church and this is my main focus today because this is where my prophetic insight lies. What is the end goal of the church? What is the end zone? What is is Jesus returning for? He is returning for a bride without spot, without wrinkle. He is not returning for some whining, complaining child bride, but a fully formed, fully mature, drop dead gorgeous bride without spot and without wrinkle, that is the end goal. And I tell you this, my friends, the process of restoration began the moment Jesus said, it is finished, hallelujah. Tetelastai, that's the Greek word. Perfectly perfect, completely complete in every way, in every aspect. What does that mean? It means whatever was needed to be done for the restoration of all things has been accomplished. His death on the cross was so complete, so supreme, so final. Nothing needs to be done. And now all that's left is for the church to manifest that restoration. Now the Acts of the Apostles, can I suggest to you, was the first great restoration movement initiated by God. The early church was a glorious church. Within a couple of hundred years of inception, they had preached the gospel to the dead known world and turned cities upside down. Many of the great truths that we preach about today were released through the early apostles. There was great restoration of power, life, righteousness, purity, and kingdom authority. The apostles laid an amazing foundation for the rest of the generations to come. But the foundation of a building, ladies, please hear me. This is a prophetic statement. The foundation of a building is not the whole building. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10, according to the grace which was given to me as a wise master builder, that phrase wise master builder is chief architect. I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. The early apostles laid a foundation and every successive generation has been building upon it. We too, our generation, is building on that foundation so we must take heed how we build because if Jesus tarries, then the next generation is going to build on the ground that we have laid. I believe that this generation or the next generation finally will be the capstone generation. Amen. Now, the Acts of the Apostles really was the first great reformation movement. Birthed the church, established it on a firm foundation. Next 300 years, church was inconquerable, unconquerable, turning cities upside down as the Gospel marched forward. And all this happened under severe persecution. Persecution has never troubled the church, trust me. Then Christianity was popularized and made the official religion of the Roman Empire. And you gotta be very careful about this, amen. We got to be careful because sometimes, you know, we say things like, oh, we want Singapore to be a Christian nation. Now, I don't know if that is the, the end goal. How do you define this, right? I believe that what we should shoot for is that we want to see more souls saved than lost in Singapore. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Evan Roberts, that great revivalist in Wales in 1904, and prayed and said, God, will you close every gate of hell in Wales for one year? One year. Give me one year, Lord. Close every gate of hell in this nation. Do you know what he was asking for? He said, Lord, for one year, let not a single Welsh person go down to hell. Hallelujah. And you know, I tell you, God answered that prayer because when the revival came, 100,000 in the first three months were swept into the kingdom of heaven. It was recorded. These were not numbers that they plucked up from the air. They were having men and women and their families, whole families saved, and their names were recorded by newspapers because there was no more news to a report, and that's all they reported out, the revival. And every day in the newspapers, all they reported was uh, hundreds and thousands of families that were being saved on a daily basis in Wales. That's how they knew 100,000 souls got saved in the first three months. And we can pray, Lord, close every gate of hell here in this nation. It's a bold prayer. I don't know if we have the faith to pray those prayers, but I did some, at some point in our future, when revival comes, I believe that we are going to see these things happen. Amen. Now. Uh, There came a period called the Dark Ages. That's when humanity went into reverse gear rather than move forward. The Dark Ages lasted for about 900 years from the 5th century to the 14th century. And then light began to break through in the early 1500s, which sparked a movement called the Reformation. But it was really the second great Reformation movement after the Book of Acts. And it was a movement that dispelled darkness and ignorance and sin that was caused by the Dark Ages. In the Second Reformation began when uh, Martin Luther in 1517 nailed those 95 Theses on the Wittenberg Church. And when Martin Luther did that, he wasn't trying to overthrow the Roman Catholic Church. No, sir. He was trying to reform the church, but it sparked a tidal wave of tsunami proportions that reformed the whole church and the Protestant movement was birthed. But it wasn't so much A revival in the sense of the power and the presence of God being manifested. It was a battle over doctrines and creeds, primarily the justification by faith and the matter of grace and grace alone. And strong leaders like Martin Luther and John Calvin and Zwingli were raised. But the ground had been prepared by pre-Reformation leaders by John Whitcliffe, John Huss, Severanola. Hallelujah. I didn't speak in tongues. That was his name. Severanola and St. Francis of Assisi. My friends, some of you are thinking, Pastor Young, that's history. We don't want to know about history. And that's why your faith is so shallow. That's why you're so flimsy in your faith, because you don't know your history. And that's the problem of our church today. The lack of knowledge has destroyed the church because we don't know our history. I tell you this, my friends, your roots will determine your fruits, hallelujah. The stronger the root system, the better that's going to be the bountiful harvest, the more the fruit is going to be developed. And the reason why Christians are so uh, flimsy and so weak today and shallow is because we don't know our history. And we don't know our history because we don't take time and we're not bothered to go back and read about the wonderful history that the church has, hallelujah. And I want to tell you this, my friends, start reading about these men. They carried something of the presence of God. They knew God in a way we don't. And they were men that were, they were polemics. They were strong men that carried something and they were willing to die for Jesus. Many of them went to the stake. Many of them went to the lions. Many of them died for Jesus Christ. And they were made of a different metal. Hallelujah, shakaba. And we are weak today compared to them. But we must grow up, my friends. And one of the ways to do it is know your history know your history man in fact you say pastor uh, you know history uh, uh, isn't history just a bunch of dead people with dead dates and dates that don't matter you are so wrong the bible is a historical record record of what god did hallelujah amen why do you read your bible why do you read your bible why do you learn from the lessons because we learn from history amen. we learn from history now the reformation began 1517 it had a 500 year cycle and uh during the past 500 years there have been waves of revival and reformation all right and uh, you know these f- waves of reformation sometimes start waning we start drifting europe again was in turmoil because the major powers were jostling for power and i tell you whether you like it or not the end go in the last days it is around the mediterranean sea that all the the events of the last days will unfold That's where the focus of world events will take place around the great Mediterranean Sea. You've got the European countries, you've got the Middle Eastern countries, you've got the North African countries. Watch this because it will happen around that whole region. Now, into this chaos after the Reformation came what was called the First Great Awakening. Let me just give you two minutes, please. Just allow me to just give you a very brief uh, summary of the historical events that happened. First Great Awakening: Four men stood out. Count uh, Ludwig von Zindendorf and the Moravians. Then you got Jonathan Edwards. You got Wesley, the Wesley brothers, John and Charles. And then you got George Whitfield. These four men were—they were, were men on fire, man. I, they sparked something, and it was the first Great Awakening. And then it waned down. And then there was a second Great Awakening uh, led by men such as Charles Finney, John Newton, William Wilberforce, and others. And then it waned down. And I would say the third grade move is the Welsh Revival, 1904-1905. I've spoken to this congregation many times about the Welsh Revival, so I won't go into it. I will say that in every revival, there was one firebrand who was the initial spark of that revival. And the man, of course, was Evan Roberts. You watch this, my friends, because God is looking for fire starters in this hour. He's looking for people that can start fires. Hallelujah. Spiritual fires. Amen. And those men are made up of a different metal. There's something about a fire starter. They're not concerned about the accolades of people. Listen, my friends, if you live for the applause of men, you're in trouble. Then when they stop applauding you, then you you find yourself spiraling into a cesspit of of, of depression. You keep your eyes on Jesus and the only applause you need is from Him. The only thing you wanna hear are six words, well done, good and faithful servant. We got to start living for the judgment seat of Christ. The two most important days in your life was the day you got born again and the day you will stand before Jesus to give an account of what you've done for what He has given to you. All right. The third one, of course, the fourth one is the great Azusa Street revival. And of course, it was led by a one-eyed black preacher called William Seymour, very powerful man of God. And out of this, Azusa Street was birthed all the great Pentecostal, or the new Pentecostal denominations like the Assemblies of God, Church of God in Christ, Four Square. All of that came out from the Azusa Street Revival. After that, we had the latter rain movement. And in the latter rain movement, God restored the fivefold ministry and introduced the supernatural power of God back to the church. Men like R. Roberts, Jack Cole, uh, William Branham, T.L. Osborne, A.A. Allen, Dick Iverson. I sent something to a prayer group yesterday uh, that I read from A.A. Allen, and a, and a lad was brought to him and it was deformed blind, death, everything. He cried out to the, he lifted the baby before the Lord and cried out. And he said two eyeballs popped out, blue eyes popped out from the, the babies. And then the deformed the limb started to shoot out and out of that form a brand new limb. And then the, 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 the paralysis was healed. Paralysis was healed. And then God healed the limbs and everything. And then the boys, from a little mass of, of human tissue, was formed a brand new boy. And the first words he said was, mama, when she saw his mother. (laughs) But you got to read that testimony. When I read that, I thought, oh my goodness, we have not seen power like this ever, you know, in the church. And it's coming back. God is going to do extraordinary miracles. Amen. And then um, came the charismatic renewal. One of the key leaders of the charismatic renewal was Brother Brian Bailey, my spiritual father. All these movements, of course, were very powerful and they added to the subsequent. So what, was, what I'm saying is God was restoring one aspect of the church. Another aspect of every movement brought something new to the table. And I believe that we're entering into the time of the third great reformation movement that will see the church come into fullness. For that to happen, we've got to have a clear understanding of the Melchizedekian priesthood. We've got to understand the firstborn sons and company. We've got to understand the manifested sons of God. And we need to understand the feast of the Lord, especially the feast of the tabernacles because Jesus is returning at the feast of the tabernacles. There'll be a great in-gathering in the last days The sons of God would come into full maturity. We will be totally identified with the cross. The cross will once again be the one message that we will be preaching. All the ministries and the gifts of the Holy Spirit will be firing on full cylinders. And everyone in the church will be operationally ready and prepared for battle. Come on, hallelujah. That is the vision that God has given to me here in Cornerstone. It is to prepare the whole church for the battles that are coming. We gotta be stronger than the world, amen. Well, I was going, the last two weeks, when I was going through all all this turmoil and the pressure, you know, with a lot of uh, things that was swirling around. Uh, I, somebody sent me a prophetic word, and the prophetic word was, if you can't even run with men on, ho- on the foot, how can you run with the horses when they come? And I tell you, that put steel in my backbone. And I realized God make me stronger than everybody else, amen, make me stronger, amen. Put steel in my framework, hallelujah. Let my head, forehead be like Flynn, hallelujah, amen and make me stand in the midst of great opposition, hallelujah. I'm not afraid, my friends, I tell you this, I want to stand up, but I cannot, I will not suffer foolishly for my own sake. <laughs> okay. The third reformation will bring about all the prophetic scriptures necessary for the release of Jesus. A very quickly, very quickly brief, go through tree number one, we're gonna see the restoration of the tabernacle of David, Amos chapter nine. It's the it's a restoration of intercessions, supplications, praise, thanksgiving, uh, prayer, great authority. Uh, oftentimes when we think of the tabernacle of David, people go, oops, it's 24 seven. Is Pastor Young encouraging us to do it 24 seven? No, it's far more than that. The tabernacle of David was established on Mount Zion by King David and it was everything God wanted in a house. Hallelujah, amen. And if we're truly called to be Zion, then it follows that we ought to establish this tabernacle here of David in his house. It's interesting that when the Lord was using an adjective to describe his house, he said my house shall be a house of prayer, right? He didn't say my house shall be a house of praise. Is praise important? You bet. He didn't say my house shall be a house of teaching. Is teaching important? Of course it is. We all know how important it is. He didn't say my house shall be a house of good works and the church should be full of good works but he said, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations because prayer connects our our impotence with God's omnipotence and the prayer is one thing that brings heaven down to earth, hallelujah, amen. If you look at the tabernacle of Moses, the one furniture just before the altar, the the, the Ark of the Covenant is the altar of incense and that is the prayer ministry. And in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews takes the furniture and puts it within the veil. Interestingly, I, I... it's, prayer is the one thing that gets you into the presence of God. And I want to encourage you not to compromise on your life of prayer. In fact, in this season in my life, that's exactly what God's called me to do. He says, I want you to start moving into a more secluded time of prayer because you need to stand before my presence. And, and that's what God's calling me to do in uh, you know, I get up. Again, I want to just encourage you, get up early in the morning. Every 4.45, alarm goes. I'm, down, down, I'm downstairs praying. You know, I have communion. I, I give thanks to God. I praise Him. I read the Word. I meditate. I, I, I recite about 20 scriptures, you know, and, uh, you know. And at this age, I'm 62. And sometimes I forget names. I forget things. And the way to make sure to, that I counteract this is I, I memorize scripture and I try to memorize at least a couple of scriptures every week, new scriptures, and I, I want to encourage you what the Navigators used to teach us, memorization of scripture. Amen. Memorize scripture. You say, Pastor, I, I, you know, you can't bring into remembrance what you don't have in your remembrance. Hallelujah. Amen. Can I also say to you that we don't pack our church calendar with too many events. It's sometimes we do that and the church burns out, alright? We've got so many events and... If you fight the battles that you're not supposed to fight, then you won't have the strength to fight the battles you're called to fight. Amen. All right, the second thing that we're gonna see a full restoration is the restoration of apostles and prophets. The church is built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. You like them, you don't like them. I tell you this, God will have his last say, amen. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone and God, every time he's ready to do a new thing, he raises up a new breed of leaders. And I'm seeing this happening right now in Singapore. God spoke to me several months ago. He said, I want you to watch those people that I'm raising up and I want you to watch those that I'm setting aside because it's a new move and I'm getting a new breed of leaders to lead this new move of God. Watch this. And I'm saying, I'm not saying that all those people who have set aside Uh, you know, there are those that have run the race, finished the course, have been faithful, and they've done their jobs, and God says, well done, good and faithful servant. But I tell you, there are also those that God says, I'm setting you aside because you don't have the temperament, you don't have the heart for my people. All you want is self aggrandizement And God is shifting and shifting the needle in the church. It's so evident right now. I'm watching this. He said, watch those that I'm raising up and watch those that I'm putting aside. And I'm telling you, he's raising up a mighty brand of apostolic leaders and prophetic leaders. Finally, the massive part of God's restoration has to do with those who are backslid. God loves the backslider. He's married to them. And we will see a massive return of the backslider in our generations. Three parables, and I close, that Jesus gave that deal specifically with the issue of the restoration of, par- of, of, the, of the backslider. The parable of the lost sheep, lost coin, and the lost son. In each of these parables, there was a category of believer who is lost and needed to be restored. In the first parable, the parable of the lost sheep is a backslider who is lost through ignorance. The sheep wanders from the flock and loses its way and it needs to be rescued by its shepherd. The shepherd needs to leave the 99 behind and go out and look for the one lost sheep. Right? that's important. The second parable of the lost coin, the backslider is lost because of neglect. Now a lost coin doesn't just wander off by itself. Do you understand? it's lost by neglect and there are people in the church that have been lost by neglect and sometimes shepherds and we apologize i do apologize on behalf of all my pastors and and leaders and cell leaders here sometimes there's been neglect sometimes we fail to call the person sometimes we fail to write to people and, and reach out to them and you know now with all the modern devices it's so easy and every day I, 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 you know, I pray for about five, ten people every morning. And what I do is I pray a minute prayer and I send it, send, it, send, 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 send. And people know that you're praying for them every day. Amen. And it's a wonderful, easy exercise for all of us. Every one of us. Take five minutes every day. One minute prayer. Pray for five people and send the prayer to them. And says, hey, I'm thinking about you. I love you. Here's a prayer for you this morning. The Lord bless you. Amen. Send it, a prayer and press. and People went, and then people know they're loved and, 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 and valued in this house. Am I speaking to the right people? The third parable has to, in the first two parables, the shepherd went out to look for the lost sheep. The woman turned the house upside down to look for the lost coin, but in the third parable, the father did not go out. He had to wait because you cannot restore someone whose will is set against coming back. That prodigal son was a prodigal man. He was, uh, you know, the father said to him, before you go, boy, you know, you, you know, the, the son comes to the father with absolute disrespect. He says, dad, my inheritance, give it to me, please. You know, to the Jewish man, to do that to his father, when his father is alive, it's such a shameful thing. And the father doesn't remonstrate. He goes to save. He must have taken a share of the inheritance as his says, son, Here's your sheriff and head. Oh, by the way, before you go, I want you to know that if you ever lose your way somewhere down the line and you need to come back to Papa's house, you got to know, my, my door's always open for you, son. And I love you. Ah, so I don't need that, dad, dad. I'm, goodbye. Good. And he goes off, right? But somewhere down the line, he comes to Rock Bottom and he remembers his dad. And he realizes the state that he's in and that the father's house, even the servants were eating better than him. And the reason why he could come back was because he knew the door was open for him. And I close with this ladies and gentlemen, I close with this, that there are going to be many backsliders that are going to come back to the kingdom. Shut up. They're gonna come back to the kingdom. You, you, Some of you here right now sitting down, you've got kids that are far away from Jesus and they've really gone bad. They're smoking, drinking, drugs, whatever. I tell you, don't ever you give up hope, amen. It's not how they start, it's how they finish, amen and they will finish well. They will finish well. And when they come back, it was as though God says, it was as though I don't even remember the sins of their past. It's a brand new slate. When God starts with us, always, He says, I do a new thing, amen. You know, this morning in my reading of scripture, I was reading Revelation 21, and the Lord said, behold, I do a new thing. He said, there will, in my heaven, in heaven, there will be no more tears. Think about that. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no remembrance of the pain any longer. He will do a new thing, and when He does a new thing, it is brand new, hallelujah. And when He restores those backsliders, they're going to come back, and they're gonna, it's going to be brand new, hallelujah. You make me feel brand new, Lord, amen, hallelujah. <laughs> it's an old song, by the way. And uh, I tell you this, the backsliders are coming in. Now, so parents, if you have kids that are out there they're not wanting to come to church. They think uh, the church is legalistic. Uh, I, I'm telling you this, my friends. They are going to come back. You just keep praying. You don't lose heart. Amen. You keep loving them. You just say, son, I don't know where you are right now, but dad's always here for you. Mom's always here for you. Amen. And every time you come back home, this house is open for you. Sometimes they will steal from you. Sometimes they will cheat you. Sometimes they will take advantage of you. Don't stop loving them. Amen. That's what parents do. Amen. Amen. If you, if you give up on your kids, it's all lost. You must never give up hope. Amen. I know what I'm talking. They will come back. They will come back to the Lord. Amen. And then I'll close. I'm sorry. I've, I'm running five minutes late. I just want to close one scripture. In Revelation 11:15. 15, and the seven angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever. The, the key word is the word kingdom. All right. Uh, I'm so sorry, the word become. There's a promise here that the kingdoms of this world will move towards a state of transition until they become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. That's the ultimate destiny of the nations of the earth. It is to become the kingdom of our Lord. This is non-negotiable. Now the word become is the same word that was used in Matthew 17 verse 2 that described Jesus. One moment He was in the flesh, the next moment He was transformed, transfigured, to become full of glory, one moment he was wearing ordinary garments; the next moment he was in garments of glory and white. And that's the word "become." In other words, it's going to be instantaneous. One moment they will be the kingdoms of this world; the next moment they shall become the kingdoms of our God. It will be instantaneous, and the event that will precipitate this will be the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom will be fully visible and fully manifested, and. Um, the word become gives us great hope, why? Because a broken marriage can become a godly happy marriage. A, an ungodly man can become a godly man. A corrupt businessman can become upright and honorable. A crooked politician may be harder, but can also become an honest one. The church can become a city set on a hill again. And listen to me, homosexuals can become heterosexuals again. Hallelujah. Don't believe that lie that they can't change. Don't believe that lie, amen. God is able to transform you and you can become everything God's called you. Let's all stand. I want to just close in prayer and speak the blessings over your life. At the end of the meeting, you need prayer for healing, prayer for anything else. Please come to the front. But I want to just give one word to those of you who are in pain right now because your kids are in a backslid stage. They are far away from God. You've loved them. You've tried everything. They refuse to listen uh, and uh, don't give up hope. Because God is the God of restoration, amen. And He's made a covenant with you, hallelujah. You know, some of you need to hold fast to that promise that as for me and my household, we shall be saved, amen. And there are some of you here today, and maybe there are some of you here, young adults, your parents have backslid. Your parents are the ones that are far from God. Don't give up hope, amen. Keep praying for them. This is my my exhortation for you this morning. God wants to restore to us, hallelujah, our families, our lost fortunes, those things that we've given up. My friends, I tell you this, what we have given up for Him is nothing compared to what He has prepared for us in eternity. So many people say to me all the time, Pastor, you gave up this and gave up that. I say, what are you talking about? are you talking about Jesus gave up heaven to come to be with us how can we even compare what we have surrendered at the altar come on he is the one only that deserves the glory and the praise and so my God today I pray for every family and I know that there are many here today that are going through pain because of backslid children but Lord I speak in the name of Jesus and I call those children back Lord I know that if we have trained them in the ways of God that they shall not depart from it Lord they may wander from it but they shall not depart from it and they shall come back to you Lord I speak backsliders return in Jesus name Lord bring the prodigals back home Lord bring the prodigals Back home to Cornerstone, Lord, I pray. Oh, the many hundreds, Lord, even thousands, Lord, of numbers in our in our ranks, Lord, who have left, Lord. Return to the stronghold of thy faith. Forgive us, Lord, for neglect. Forgive us sometimes for ignorance as well. And I pray, God, give us the heart of a shepherd, a heart of a father. And now, I pray that the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ will keep you in the love of God And the blessing of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you now and forevermore. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.